2: The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast John Anik and Kenny Florian I fucking love them I can't get enough of them Let's hear that Boston next.
3: Big jab there for Duffy and Brett Mears now Duffy, oh come Brett Mears does it again Rock'em, suck'em, robots here Oh my goodness Hyperbole
4: there are a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists Here are your hosts, John Anik
0: and Kenny Florian Ken has got all this Anakin and Florian merchandise and He's got the sweatshirt today. I think I need to do a better job. I can't even mention five Miami hurricanes and I'm repping the U today. It's Monday, July 27th, 2020 episode 260 flow of the Anakin Florian podcast, 260 of these in the can, not too shabby for the little podcast that could, I guess.
1: Yeah,
3: absolutely, man. We're, we're, we're killing it right now. I love it. Um, good to see you back uh, in Florida of course and uh, hopefully you're, you're well, are you back on on Florida time at this oh point, we're good
0: now we're good yeah, now okay. I mean we got right.
3: one of the kids usually is up by 545
0: a.m. Eastern oh. every day but beyond that I should be up running miles anyway at that time of day <laughs> right our producer Cody Matt is trying to run a hundred straight days right now. I'm like six in, but I think my knees at some point just aren't going to want the pounding. Even if you're out there trying to do a mile a day to extend the 100, I'm not sure that's necessarily the goal going in, but I'm getting closer to uh, double digits here. So
3: I like that. My back can't handle the running day in and day out. I, that was my favorite thing to do. And now my body's just breaking down, kid. I'm telling you, maybe no a point. Peloton. Paul Felder's all there about the Peloton these days.
0: So if all you've right. got space there in Venice for a Peloton. Uh, but who knows a lot of these Californians are leaving the state. You know, Joe Rogan's got me thinking about Texas somewhere in the middle of the uh, United States of America. Flo. What do you think about that?
3: You might be seeing me fly away. Who knows? I, I got to find some place. But uh, it's getting crazy over here, kid.
0: I got, uh, I got pros and cons on South Florida for you, but I think the cons <laughs> list would be a little bit too long for you, but uh, a lot to get to today. Laura Sanko is going to join us in about 40 minutes. Ray Longo is going to join us. He loves these primetime shows uh, for one reason or another, so we'll get a new Ray Longo minute. Uh, Edmund Shabazi and Derek Brunson, three-round main event coming up at the UFC Apex this Saturday, August 1st, uh, so Ian Parker joins us for predictions on that, but uh, UFC Fight Night, Whitaker versus Till and Ken Flo, at least if social media is any indication was uh, was really enjoying this headlining fight. Kenny, obviously a lot of tactics involved and uh, Whitaker's sort of able to exhale at the end of it. He was up against it right in trying to come back from the Adesanya fight. And, and for my money, couldn't have come back more beautifully in, in a really tough spot and fight. And uh want to congratulate the Reaper, Robert Whitaker, on what I thought was a pretty clear win over the weekend.
3: I love this fight. I thought Robert Whitaker showed up in tremendous shape. He looked great. Um, I thought he balanced his grappling and striking attack very well. He made the proper adjustments. I thought Darren till came out looking very sharp in that fight um, seemed to be uh, dictating the pace was landing shots was fainting his way and making Robert Whitaker uh, pay for a lot of those feints as well. And when he was selling him on it, uh, but then Whitaker really made some nice adjustments um, started showing more lateral movement, started landing that left hook was landing a little bit with the blitz was hitting some takedowns, was putting Darren until on his back, uh, and was finding some success with that. I think, the the big takeaway for me is that Robert Whitaker is the overall better mixed martial artist, and man, did that experience come into play as well? It being a five rounder, and Whitaker having all that experience, I think really played a big factor. I don't think that Darren Till lost too much in this uh, right. fight, despite it being a loss. I, I still think his stock uh, went up uh, going against a former champion like a Robert Whitaker. Uh, but Whitaker, man, just just a little bit too much. Um, you know, grappling skill. And I think timing and adjustments, I, I think that really was the difference.
0: Darren till got off to a good start. You could argue that Robert Whitaker won the final four rounds. Uh, some thought it was closer than that, but this whole narrative on Darren till Kenny and whether or not he's ready for prime time. So I think I suggested, uh, in, in one tweet, uh, that this sort of further proved Darren till's ability to hang with the elite at 185 pounds. And one of the responses I got this one from, uh, Best missing. Sorry, but can't agree with that take on Till. He just isn't active enough, so hesitant to let his hands go unless the moment is just right. So overall on Darren Till in defeat, maybe it's simplistic of me to say that he still belongs in the conversation with the elite 185-pounders. What would you say to those who saw Darren Till as a little bit uh, passive when it came time to pulling that proverbial trigger?
3: So what did he say? He said he only lets his hands go when the time is right? Just right. Just right. Well, are you supposed to let your hands go when the time is just wrong? Is that right? Is that right. what we're getting used to? Listen, don't don't lower your standards just because a guy might not be throwing all the time or because you're used to a certain fight where guys are just kind of standing in a box and throwing down. Uh, yes, it is brave. Yes. Yes, it is courageous. Is that the most skillful way of fighting? No. Darren Till is an excellent striker. He is superb. Um, and you don't just throw your hands for any reason. You know, I, I, I don't get that. I've never gotten that. Um, this guy is trying to fight at the highest level against one of the best guys um, to ever do it in that division. So um, I thought Darren Till, you know, was measured as he should be. Robert Whitaker is an opponent that you need to respect. And you can't just throw down whenever you want. That is not the point of fighting. Uh, It's not blind aggression. It is smart and calculated aggression. That is the difference. I thought that Darren Till, you know, um, got taken down a little bit too much. Um, I thought he was, you know, selling his feints maybe a little bit too much, showing some tells, was getting caught up in patterns that Robert Whitaker was reading and adjusting to. Um, And if you're showing the same pattern over and over again – um, you know, your opponent, if he's very good, if he's elite and if he has a lot of experience, will make the proper adjustments. And I think that really was the difference here.
0: And I think till, and you make a lot of, of great points as always, I think maybe he was hoping that there would be an opportunity, but you can't force the finish. You know, I, I remember talking to Conan Silvera after Amanda Nunez fought Felicia Spencer, and she might've had four, 10 eights in that fight, if not five of them, but you can't necessarily force the finish. And for those fighters that do stick to a game plan and try to hope to to capitalize on mistakes sometimes the opponent doesn't make one and I thought Whitaker was pretty clean and again I hate to sound like a trite sports cliche book Kenny but like back really up against the wall for Whitaker I just felt like there was a lot of pressure on him coming in there I liked the fight island atmosphere for Whitaker juxtaposed against you know 60,000 plus in a stadium um but I just feel like this is a huge win for Whitaker and and that can't be overstated here you know I feel great for the guy.
3: It really was a massive win. The other thing we need to talk about is Darren Till, in order for him to come forward and be more aggressive, it also opens him up to those reactive takedowns that Whitaker was trying to hit. Whitaker wasn't successful all the time, Um, But we've seen it so many times before is that the fear of the takedown uh, is what's going to freeze up those hands. You're going to be more hesitant going forward and throwing your hands if you are afraid or unsure about the takedown. So I think, again, that really came into into play for, for Robert Whitaker. So this middleweight
0: division, right? You had Jack Hermanson with a big win over Kelvin Gaslam. He's number six in the world. Till is five. Yoel Romero, four. Jared Cannonier three Paolo Costa, number two in the world. He'll fight Israel Adesanya and then Robert Whittaker, uh, the number one contender. You got eight versus nine Brunson and Shabazzian this weekend. Eighty five is just so good right now. And uh, I think you're right about Darren Till. I don't think he loses too much steam. I th- I still think he's a main event fighter. And I think he he proved that again. Second time, I believe, going the full five in the UFC. So uh, excited for both guys and uh, a great way to close out that there fight island. So 15 fights on the card, Ken Flo. I mean, how many of these 15 fights you watched? I think I watched five in their entirety. And I'm sure there are some listeners who might uh, have some criticism uh, with that statement. But it is what it is. You know, fight overload, three children. Uh, how, ma- how many of the 15 fights were you able to ingest over the weekend?
3: I think I saw around seven All something right. like that. Yeah. B- better than me. So
0: uh, no fight of the night performance bonuses, Fabricio Verdun, Paul Craig, Kamzad Chimaev, Jesse Ronson, Tom Aspinall and Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer is on the goddamn map. Big night for the Canadians, Jesse Ronson and uh, and Tanner Bozer. But we got to talk about Kamzad Chimaev. I'd imagine at this point you've seen a little bit of what this young man can do.
3: Oh, man, Uh, (laughs) he's a beast. I love it. I mean, that's how you utilize grappling. To beat the shit out of somebody. I mean, it was just it—it it, it was pressure all the time. He was either grappling or hitting you in the face at all times. A lot of times, you see guys that aren't very un, very sure with their ground and pound or with their positioning. It was the perfect balance of advancing your position and balancing it with beautiful destruction in the form of grounded pound. Um, Chimaev is someone that we all have to keep our eyes on. Uh, I love the aggression and uh, how he was calculating each and every move. Uh, Just dominant, man. Uh, This guy is a powerhouse. Fought some pretty good competition on the regional scene before these two
0: record-breaking UFC wins inside of of a week or so or whatever it was, 10 days. Uh, It's absolutely incredible. A lot of people are wondering aloud sort of the sustainability. I saw one tweet today that said, you know, how many welterweights in the world would Vegas favor to beat Kamzad Chimaev right now? And in one breath, you could say that's sort of getting ahead of ourselves. But, dude. How sustainable is this and and how relevant is he right now against top 15 competition?
3: Has he has he gotten hit in the UFC? Has he taken one shot? I
0: felt those Ken flow
3: elbows. (laughs) I mean, he's not taking any damage. He's got a style, a lot like a Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, which relies heavily on grappling skill. And when you're doing that, as opposed to say a guy who comes in with a striking background alone, it's way safer. Uh, It is absolutely sustainable. Uh, Granted, he's got some great wrestlers, uh, you know, in his division, uh, but I do think uh, he's a guy that can go very far. Habib Nigmatullin was not showing, and and perhaps still doesn't show this level of dominance on the ground uh, that Chimaev does. Um, I don't remember anyone displaying that level of ground and pound, that level of aggression and activity. I don't know, in really a long, long time. Now, listen, he's not fighting, you know, guys in the top 15 or top 10 yet, but I could easily see him do it against a lot of those guys in that top 10. It
0: seems like he wants to turn around quickly, maybe fight at UFC 252 in mid-August, and perhaps the uh, the promotion will grant that request. But, uh, you know, we've talked big picture about all the talent to emerge on Fight Island. And uh, again, we could go on and on about Yuri Prohaska and uh, and some other guys who really shine. You know, Modestus Bukowskis, I don't think, got enough love on this podcast. But uh, the guy everybody's going to be talking about is Hamzad Shimaev. And for Khabib Nurmagomedov, you know, we were there For his UFC debut in Nashville, it was January 20th, 2012. And there was appreciable hype on him. I think anytime you see a zero, an undefeated fighter, uh, you know, there's sort of a raised eyebrow. But this guy is not going to have a hard time finding fights anymore, despite the style, right? He's in the mix right now, and he's not going to be sneaking up on anybody at 170 pounds.
3: And he cut a great promo. He was up on the mic. He showed his confidence. He was ready to fight later that night. Uh and I think a lot of people were blown away, including uh the guy you want to impress who was Dana White.
0: Right. So, so Dana actually uh on Instagram said so he outlanded John Phillips up a division. At 85, 124-2, and then he outlanded his opponent this weekend, McKee, 68-0. So 192-2 for uh, Chimaev, and uh, that's the name of the game. So uh, we congratulate him on a nice 2-0 start and won a bonus, as did Cavallo, Fabricio, Verdum, go horse. This is the fight game, man. You know, just be careful betting on this shit, right? Throw out the MMA mathematics. Guy loses to Alexio Olenek. Looks like he's got, you know, one foot you know, out the door. Now he comes back in a free agency fight and uh, submits Alexander Gustafsson, thereby spoiling the Swedes UFC heavyweight debut. Ken Flo, your thoughts on Verdum's submission win?
3: You know, it it would be pretty hard to redeem himself. I thought just based on Fabricio and everything he's accomplished in submission wrestling and jujitsu and and in the MMA world uh, off of his fight against Olinic, where he just, he, he didn't look inspired. He looked like he was in terrible shape. This was not the Fabricio Verdum that we were, we were prepared for. This time around, he really did redeem himself. He, he, he looked different physically. He looked different technically, strategically. He went out there like he really wanted to win that fight, Um, found a way to bring it down to the ground against uh, Alexander Gustafson. And um, it was Gustafson who looked rusty uh, and not Fabricio Verdum. Uh, Verdum was all over him. Once the fight hit the mat, a beautiful armbar for the finish. Uh, Again, cementing himself as one of the best uh, submission uh, guys to ever compete in the heavyweight division. So uh, awesome way for Fabricio to come back. And he did it against a very tough guy in Alexander Gustafson.
0: And what'd you think about the co-main event before we get to Carla Esparza, Shogun Hua and Little Nog Antonio, Jose Noguera got to love these two guys. I mean, Little Nog at 44. I mean, what a fucking warrior. And for Shogun, I mean, go look it up, right? Still with only that one loss to Anthony Smith since 2000 fucking 14 when he was on the skateboard with Ovin St. Preux or whatever, yeah. I just I I will be effusive in my praise for these two athletes and uh, the display that they put on, uh, despite being you know up up there with me and Ken Flo in that age column.
3: Yeah, but, you know, you got to you got you to gotta appreciate the gameness, um, the ter- the determination, the heart for these guys to get into camp, to train hard and go out there and throw down like they did. I didn't expect anything really different from these guys. They might not be moving the same way that they did, you know, from 10, 15 years ago, right. obviously. Right. Uh, but man, the heart is still there. The power was still there. They're out there trying to take each other out. And uh, we got a great fight because of it.
0: Carla Esparza by split decision over Marina Rodriguez. And I'm putting her here in headlines near the top of the show, Kenny, because for a former champion at 115 pounds in the toughest women's division, bar none for a former champion like Esparza, uh, who has had no favorable matchups really to put together a four fight winning streak like this and get back close to the top five and back to divisional relevance. I just have a lot of respect for the athlete, the willingness to develop. There was a clear path of least resistance in this fight and kind of had to walk through hell with one eye to get it done, but I did give her the last two rounds, and, uh, you know, again, she's a fighter who cashes for people as an underdog now repeatedly, and uh, just feel good for a a true fighter in Carla Esparza.
3: Man, is she tough as hell. I I mean, uh, go back and watch some of the fights where she's been stuck in arm bars. It looked like her arm broke. She keeps fighting through it, you know, no matter if she's bleeding, bruised up, swollen, whatever. Carla Esparza is going to, is gonna be right in your face and gonna look for a way to win that fight. That's exactly what she did against a very yeah. dangerous striker in Marina Rodriguez. And uh, you know, again, I, I I'm just blown away by her toughness. Uh Ugh. Esparza is an absolute beast, pulled it off. It was a close fight, yep. uh, but did what she had to do and, and man, uh another another big win. And I like watching Rodriguez fight. Obviously, Esparza takes her O
0: here, but uh, I think she she will uh, ascend again. Uh, and Paul Craig with a win over Gadzimor at Antagulab by Triangle. Uh, you know, I always tell people bet on finishers, right? Even if you don't love the matchup and uh, when in doubt, if you're looking for a little action, Paul Craig does finish fights, you know, uh, and he was able to get it done there against Gadzimor at Antagulab. But so much to unpack 15 fights UFC fight at Whitaker versus till let's see what uh, what Ray Longo has to
2: say. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. i want going to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray
0: Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. All right, so Ray Longo now joins us live. We had a YouTube commenter, Stomping Peak, suggest that we should make Longo a more permanent fixture on the show. Here's the direct quote, Ken Flo. Who else thinks Ray Longo should be a permanent person on the Anik and Florian Podcast? I think it would make this show even better. So those who don't know, we actually gave Ray Longo his own segment on episode one of this podcast back in 2015. Yeah. So I don't know if, if he wants more airtime out of you, but uh, certainly we had the foresight to give you your own segment, uh, dating to episode goddamn number. One. He been permanent.
2: First off, uh, stomping, uh, stomping Pete. I love you, baby. <laughs> thanks for, uh, thanks yeah. for stomping along that <laughs> That's awesome, man. But, uh, let me tell you, John has predicted two things, the two things that he's most known for. Get me on the first episode ah. of Jermaine Sterling. That's it. Yes, he's got those that's two. Right. That's he right. He's those. He's swearing by. He predicts by those these things. You know, the, Kenny, the pressure I had not to let John down because he's such a nice guy. I don't know. It's you amazing.
3: Do it. oh. You, you, you uh, live up to the pressure.
2: Thank you. Yes. Not there, easy. There
0: got to be some listeners out there. Who hear you call me the nice guy all the time and think, oh, I'm just not sure he's that guy because if my mom's listening, she I, she probably tunes out by this point of the podcast. There's, there's but I'm nobody, not like the nice guy in the family.
2: No, there's nobody that, that nobody's going to deny that. Who you talk? What are you talking about? You're a nice guy.
0: Yeah, we got to introduce you to my twin brother. He's a lot nicer. But enough about that. So. uh. So what's on the tip of your tongue this week? We talked about this Hamzad Chimaev, right, who's now 2-0 in the UFC and looking like, you know, Khabib in a lot of respects. Are you uh, are you on this bandwagon yet? Have you seen this kid compete?
2: Uh, you know, I saw just the uh, clips of the last one. I I, I Just only because the fight was so short. I must have missed it, but I went back. But, no, this kid, you know, I like the guys that like the fight. You know what I mean? They put me back in there, put me back in there. As long as they don't burn themselves out, Kenny, which, you know, eventually right. they have to slow down. But at this level, they're not giving him the highest-ranking guy, so I think it's fine, you know, if that's what he feels like. You get done with a fight in 20 seconds, you know what? You're already there. Nobody's moving. I I like where his head's at. You can see he has the right mentality. Um, I'd have to see him against a more competent guy to really make a decision. But for right now, looking good.
3: And, Ray, what did you think of the main event between Whitaker and Till?
2: Yeah, I thought it was a chess match. I thought the right guy won. I thought Till came out, guns blazing, and I thought Whitaker was in for a long night. I thought Till, right from the bat, had that range. He was loading up on some nice shots, but he just went to sleep after that. He fought in spurts, and they were just far and few in between, and that was it. He still landed the better combos, but they just, I think, you know, Whitaker mixed it up more. You know, with the takedowns, going back to the punching, and he was always, you know, without him, there was absolutely no fight, but... First round, if Darren Till could have did that for another round or two, easy winner in that fight. Easy. I thought he looked great. But then for some reason, just the activity, I thought, just slowed down to a halt almost. And then it became a chess game. I think they both got dropped and they were both hesitant. Mm -hmm. But whatever their styles are, they negated each other pretty, pretty well.
0: I'm trying not to get distracted, Ray, with your hair, right? Because there's obviously a lot I want to get to today, but you've gotten past like the uncomfortable, bad stage. And yeah. now it just looks excellent. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you gotta pause it now. Don't ingest anymore. Go to YouTube. Cause, you know, you got the wings, you your sun splashed. I mean, is oh, there man. somebody you're meeting on August eighth when you go to <laughs> Vegas? You just look terrific. He looks uh, like a like... pro
2: hockey player, is what yeah, he looks yeah. yeah, you know. like. You I'm having um, uh, what do they call that? My uh My end-of-life crisis. I am not even midlife. I wish it was a midlife crisis. I'm not even near midlife anymore. It's the end-of-life crisis. If I could grow my hair, I'm growing it. That's what the the (laughs) quarantine did for me, Kenny.
0: It looks great. No, it looks great. great. It adds to the show. I think it helps. It helps the numbers. All right. So a few things that I have for you today. So you got... Uh, a number 15 next to Marab Dwalish Willie's name, so that's nice to see him in the rankings. But I see him crushing watermelons. I don't know if you've seen this on social media. I, so I, I he's did st- see that. So he's going yeah. Ben Askren style, trying to crush the watermelon, right? Uh, Unsuccessful. He probably grabbed the hardest one in the bunch or something. You know, there's no social distancing going on whatsoever. I know there aren't that many cases up yeah. in New York, but you got 30 guys all together. So uh, he's got to fight August 15th. You got to tell the Georgian to scale it back with the uh, with the socialism here.
2: I tell you what, man, there's not a guy in this gym that thinks anything ever happened. It's it's mind-boggling to yeah, me. Yeah. Seriously, I'm walking around with a freaking face shield and a mask, right, and these right. guys are <laughs> right. what Marab's friend came in tonight, saw me with the face shield, and just started laughing at me. Yeah, I gotta yes. send you a picture. This guy he looks like a hitman from uh <laughs> from Kazakhstan. That guy's a the guy's a Kenny, the guy's a my he walked, he took one look at me and he kind of just said <laughs> What are you a fucking joke What the, I mean, <laughs> literally I like, go oh, and, and he's obviously he's the nicest guy in the world. I love this guy, but he is, he's huge and he just was disgusted with me that I'm that weak what? of a person that I what? put a face shield on. What country was it? Kashkhanistan? What'd you yeah. say? Right. <laughs> nah, he's another, he's another, he's another <laughs> From One of the stands. Yeah, yeah. One
0: of the stands. Okay. Yeah. He's mask shaming you.
2: <laughs> oh, no, he may have shamed the hell out of me. Yeah front yeah. of a group of people. I was just sitting there trying to mind my own business. Right. Like, he's so got a podcast to do. He's got to stay healthy. Come on. They, they don't care.
0: You know? All right. Uh, next on my list, and then I am going to get into the Herb Dean-Dan Hardy situation and see if either of you fellas have any thoughts on that. Uh, Chris Weidman has a fight in 12 days, if I'm not mistaken, August 8th in Las Vegas. You mentioned to us off the air that uh, that you guys were working together today, so does that mean he's back from South Carolina before... Heading west, I guess.
2: Yeah, he's back from South Carolina. He'll do his last week here. He had a great workout today. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see. I think they gave him a great fight, and this hopefully, you know, you gotta. This will be a good test. I mean, he should be able to win this fight, and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. But he looks great. Cardio's in great shape. Um, you know, I love Wonder Boy, so I know he did the right thing. And uh, right now, it's uh, I'm excited for the fight.
0: And Omari Akhmedov has uh, the number 11 next to his name right now. So that's obviously a good thing as Wadman tries to make another run here uh, in the middleweight division. You know what the betting line is on Wadman and Akhmedov, by the way, Ray?
2: No. What is it?
0: It's a pick em fight, man.
2: Oh, wow. Pick-em
0: fight. So uh, potentially an investment opportunity for you guys there if you want to bet on your guy. No pressure. I mean, you know no. we always pay you for finishes. We still owe you for that Aljo backpack, by the way.
2: Oh, damn. Good. No yeah. All right. Yeah. So
0: uh, Herb Dean had a situation uh, with the stoppage in the Francisco Trinaldo fight. Some have defended the stoppage. Others, such as Dan Hardy and Paul Felder, the analysts uh, on the night, uh, thought it was late. My point, Ray, has nothing to do with the actual stoppage. I tweeted praise for Dan Hardy because I think analysts, very generally speaking, need to be critical when they believe the situation calls for it. Can't hold back. He didn't do that. I'm not defending a commentator, telling a referee in a vacant, vast arena you know how to do his job um and i think maybe there's some adjustment needed from the analysts in terms of navigating that empty arena um but my point is that a commentator has to be willing to say things like oh that's the second time tonight or as michael bisping has now famously said in a soundbite that has been repurposed promotionally come on ref right like i feel like an analyst has to be able to be critical and not worry about making people unhappy that being said the fact that they had this type of interaction on the night, there's a lot of uneasy parts of this for me. What were your thoughts on on the stoppage or, or anything else I just right,
2: well, Well, first off, he should 100% be able to voice his opinion. That's what he's there for. Uh, you don't want a, a bunch of yes men calling a fight and, you know, yeah, yeah he did this right. That, because that's what they, they, all, they all do. All the commissions, all the other refs, they never throw anybody under the bus. They come up and they come up with excuses and stuff of what, what's going on. But I, I even remember back in the day when, I don't know who was fighting Tex Cobb, but Howard Cosell was just a whole fight. This is inhumane. This is crazy. Right. You know, so you need you need that, man, because that's going to provoke thought, and hopefully that, you know, those thoughts make everything better eventually. But, uh, you know, we always talk about more accountability for those guys. But, look, here's the deal. One Either way, I still am happy if Herb Dean's my referee next week. That's the first thing. I still think on the court, the big scheme – I'll take Curb Dean over anybody. So could should that fight have been stopped, I would have definitely stopped it. All right? But now when I looked at it, because Kenny, when that guy got hit, you know that was a complete... Here's my thing, and I don't know this. I'm telling you, this, this was a, a night I wasn't really too in tune with anything, but when he got hit, man, he jammed up in the air, he held his head, something. If you're yeah. looking at that angle, you're stopping the fight. If you're behind him... And you see a guy sit down on his ass after a shot, not the end of the world. It's not a face plant. So I think if you had the wrong angle on that fight, and then you went over and the guy's hands were kind of in front of his head, I get it. You don't want you don't want the other guy dictating that's like when the guy's choking, he goes, He's he's tapping or he's out and he's not out. You know, so right. I think that those are those split second things that uh like again, I would I think the fight should have been stopped, but I I think uh, if he was in the wrong spot, I could see where he made, made where he made an error. But you couldn't have been looking at that front view where that guy I mean, you could see that computer got short-circuited and that guy was right. out. I mean, he lost bodily functions going down and I guess, you know, Herb got confused and maybe, you know, because it's a small of, you know, the arena, he heard something, something, you know, confused him. But those those are split second decisions and Look, you are kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. So I'm saying, even if he made a mistake, and I think the fight should have been stopped. Me personally, I'd love to see him as my ref the next time because I think those are crazy situations, you know. And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm doing this thing justice or not, but I think that one, you know, uh, I just, I'm, I'm glad the guy's all right at, yep. at that point. But if you were looking at it from Trinaldo's standpoint, that fight's over.
3: Yeah. Ken Flo, what do you got, kid? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, Ray made a lot of great points. And and I feel like, you know, it, it's possible that Herb Dean just didn't have the right angle. He's a very experienced ref. I think he's uh as consistent as you can be in this sport. He's excellent. Um, but that that was uh I, I thought a late stoppage. Um when you see a guy who is essentially frozen after he gets hit with a big shot. This isn't just, you know, he didn't just get dropped or, you know, slip or one of those things where he was kicking and got He got hit with all of that overhand, okay? Uh, Overhand left, I believe, from Um, definitely. Knocked him down, froze him. His arm and leg is up in the air. He's frozen. He's not even moving. And he takes, what, another two or three hard shots. Those are the shots that you really want to avoid taking when you're already unconscious or your your body, your brain is frozen. So it's a mistake. Um, You know, I, I think we all make them. We're human. Um, and as far as you know the Dan Hardy thing, I think you should be able to speak your mind. You know what happened off camera, whether you know you showed him discussing all that stuff. My understanding, this is what Dan Hardy talked about, is the fact that D- Dan Hardy was you know just staying in place. It was Herb Dean who went over to him to discuss him making that point. So Herb Dean went over to Dan Hardy to have a a, a discussion. It wasn't Dan Hardy kind of seeking Herb Dean out. Uh, it, it is my understanding of of what transpired there, by right. the
0: way. So, Ray, and I know I probably speak for Kenny when I say yeah. this, the only time I've had communication with a referee on a fight night would be in the rare occurrence where they would come over to the fence maybe early on when it's not super loud and try to pass along something having to do with the ruling, right? But generally speaking, there should be no interaction between commentator and referee on fight night. You know, like I've even complained at times in this recent climax at the Apex, I I could say to our audience when I've seen officials like walking through the broadcast space, like in this era of social distancing, what do they even need to be walking behind me for? And I say that with all due respect, but there doesn't need to be that type of interaction. So obviously there's going to be some lessons learned and I don't know how, you know, the sides are going to handle this. One thing I learned, Ray, is that when I introduce a referee, I can still say no nonsense, Keith Peterson, but I can't say, all right, here's Jason Herzog, one of the best referees in the game, Ken Flo. I can't say that anymore. That's what I learned, right? Because right, right. I'm not going to put that in front of some of these referees. And that's me giving my opinion on a referee. Mm-hmm. I'm all for criticizing performance, um, but I'm not going to be anointing these guys when they step out there anymore. You can be damn sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No, I think so. that's fair. I think everything is fair. I mean, you know, like, again, I think, again, I just thought only because he sat down kind of on his ass and then he went backwards, I, I, maybe that was confusing. I don't know. I'd have to really hear what he has to say. But, uh, again, if it was a face plant, that fight's 100% over. But to look at the angle we looked at on TV was brutal. Like, that right. is no right. question in my mind. If anybody saw that, they stopped that fight immediately. I just don't know if he was in position to see that. Looked like from the tape he was on the other side, and then he ran around back. But uh, I don't know. I and mean, it's a it's a, that, not a tough one because the fight should have been stopped. I'm saying it was a tough decision to make based on some circumstances. What I think, and I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I don't I don't know. But I, I would have stopped the fight personally.
3: Uh, And another thing during the commentary, I think it says something, you know, fighters are always going to have another fighters back, uh, whether it's for them to continue or for them to stop the fight. Um, Fighters love seeing fights go on. You know, they want to see that the referee gives a fighter a chance when you have a guy like a Dan Hardy who's speaking up and saying that fight should be stopped. You should listen. You know, and, yeah. and I think that really means something when a guy like Dan Hardy with all of his experience says that a fight should be stopped.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you there's there's way worse examples where a ref is standing there looking at a guy getting pummeled, period.
3: For yeah.
0: fourteen
2: yeah. or fifteen shots.
0: Right. You know right. what I
2: mean? So I don't know. Like, again, I think for the most part, he does the right thing. And uh, we need yeah. guys like that still. And uh, right. there's always going to be errors. I mean, and that right. one is well, I'm, I'm just glad everybody's healthy, but uh, I think he was maybe out of position and that's what caused the, uh, the problem. But again, I could be wrong. I don't know.
0: My problem Long has been that when there is a late stoppage, it seems like there's more praise for referees who let the fights go long. But whenever there's a premature stoppage, the avalanche of hate for these guys is yeah, just yeah,
2: unstoppable. That, that, so, that's the other problem.
0: So, that, so the thing is, if you're a fan like me who would like to see an early stoppage rather than a late one, uh, there's a lot of referee criticism that inevitably comes with that. And you can't have different – determinants for like title fights, but the fan in me would be like, you got to have a longer lease for the title fights, right? Yeah, There's a belt yeah, on the yeah. line. We don't need those early stoppages. Let them actually go out in title fights. And that's insanity, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. part of my heart actually uh, agrees with that. All right. So before we let you go, I mean, scale of one to 10, what's your level of anxiety getting on a plane here for the first time in this uh, COVID-19 situation? Cause I will tell you as someone now who has gone to Abu Dhabi and to Vegas multiple times, once you go through it one time, uh, there's a conditioning that happens, and I just right. think you you feel less anxious about the whole process.
2: Well, we'll we'll see what happens, Joe. <laughs> right now, I don't feel like there'll be anything. I have a feeling I'll be drugged up. I can guarantee you. All
0: right, good. I gotta All right. say,
2: I'm not I'm not a drug guy, but I think I have to for this one just drug myself up and see like you say maybe it's the one time and it's good but you know what it is it's not like you're dealing with that you dealing i got a lot of people barking in my ear too what are right. you fucking crazy right. what does it mean what are you doing what does it mean to, right what did you drop dead is it worth it you know i mean so you have other people saying look everything's going to be all right and you have people telling you you're an idiot so that doesn't help yeah. anything you know so right. uh but you know i kind of made a commitment in my head it's august being the date and um you know, Long Island is doing really good now. So yep. I think I'd have to make a mistake to get in trouble, like a big mistake, because, yeah. you know, I, I am conscious of everything. So we'll see, you know.
0: Well, throw on that mustache and that mask. And uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing you in Vegas, even from six oh, feet away. Way. It's been a while.
2: Is, oh, no, wait, wait, hold on. So you're not going to maintain social. I mean, we're hugging each other. No? Oh, Let's I'll give you a hug. Chill, I'll give you a on. hug. Yeah. And I you're, mean, I'll, wait, I, are I you mean, from Florida?
0: I am from Boston. I live from Florida. I
3: live in
2: Florida. Yeah, Florida, we may we'll make the hug extended.
3: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, everybody. I mean, man, are we an easy target down hey, here? Hey, let me Kendall. see if, I, if my connections who listen to the show can help Ray Longo out because it's yeah. helped in the past. Can we get a body condom for for Ray for example, <laughs> the cross country flight? If anyone has an extra body condom,
2: throw it Ray's way. Thank you very much, Ken. There we go. So I'm trying to have- getting out there, John.
0: When are you uh, out there? I'll be out there for August 11th or 12th. So I'll see you after the Weidman fight in advance oh, of Marab God. and John Dodson. So uh, yeah. I'll take my COVID-19 test, and I'll come give you a hug like 14 hours later. Okay. <laughs>
2: Beautiful. I love it. All right, guys. Good job, please. Next week, somebody. Cody. Give me, hey. like, 14 text messages. Somebody.
0: Hey, come on. <laughs> See, this isn't fair, right? I mean, this is the one time, right? Yes, I'm, I'm adjusting to the new primetime slot. Yeah. I didn't text you today. My man, our executive producer, Cody Merrow, picking up my slack as usual. But let's not act like this is a habitual thing where you're waiting yeah. on a fucking call. I text you every goddamn <laughs> Listen,
2: first off, you're way better this week. You've already- Oh, the energy's back. You're way, way better, better. energy. Yeah, last week, it was like, wow, what happened to that Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Anyway. Well, thank God. Right, guys, I, listen, I'll, I'll see you uh, next week.
0: I'll see you soon. Take Let's care. Go. Thanks see
3: you,
2: Ray. Take care. Keep Bye.
0: throwing that lettuce. How good does that guy look? Woo! Well, support for the Anakin Florian podcast comes from the official electric razor of UFC Manscaped. You ever had an awkward moment where you had to grapple with someone who had a full bush coming out of their singlet? No. Well, thankfully, Manscaped has everything you need to keep your package nice and tidy. Manscaped truly is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, and their top-notch ball trimmer called the Lawnmower 3.0 will keep you clean without nicks and cuts. Manscaped is also partnered with top-tier MMA athletes like Max Holloway, Francis Ngannou, and Brian Ortega, and many others who understand that hygiene matters and also know what it takes to be the best. Well, so does this revolutionary men's grooming company, Manscaped. They just redesigned this lawnmower 3.0. You've heard us talking about it for a while. Ceramic blade, proprietary advanced skin safe technology. Accidents just don't happen for me with this thing. And also for our listeners and viewers out there who happen to be men, you probably don't want to use the same trimmer on your face as you're using down there. And and we want to help you get there. So to get 20% off and free shipping with the code AF, go to manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, promo code AF. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business. And it says, there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness, when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire that gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Annick today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Annick All right, now with us on the guest line, as promised, great friend of mine, road warrior with me on this UFC circus trip that we are all on board, I uh, had a huge asset to mixed martial arts in general, UFC reporter, analyst, Invicta FC, commentator, former pro fighter. I think she's a farmer, too. Uh, Laura Sanko is with us. It's good to see you, Laura. What an intro. man!
4: that's a lot to live up to.
0: So uh, so how's it going out there? How was like the reentry for you after Fight Island? I mean, it was a lot to sort of take in and then getting thrust back into normal life for me was was a little bit of a of a shocker.
4: Wordsmith is always, the, uh, re-entry is kind of the perfect word. I felt like I'd been on another planet and I was hurtling toward <laughs> my normal uh, residence in a ball of fire. Um, right. It was, it was weird. I mean, my sleep wasn't right for a solid, I want to say four days, and then I would say another two days after that until I could exercise without feeling like a just a total loser, you know?
0: right. 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 I'm still trying to get sort of the cardio back to any semblance of uh, of satisfaction. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy trip. I mean, what was your biggest takeaway? So you were there for the first two shows, obviously, Cater and yep. gay and UFC 251. So, I mean, for me, I think of hazmat suits, like, in my room, right? Like, that's, I guess, my biggest takeaway. But in terms of everything that that Abu Dhabi experience was for you, uh, what would you take away from it?
4: My biggest takeaway was everywhere I looked, I just couldn't help but think how much manpower it has taken to make these shows happen. I mean, the number of people, the number of hours involved in it. I mean, absolutely cool. Cool to think about all that. And yeah, I, I did. I felt like when we stepped off the bus, I felt like I was Renee Russo in out- I, I was Outbreak. Outbreak, like, I'm
0: telling you. Weird. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like keeping my phone away, but wanting so badly to just like film I, this. Uh, you know? I let you go first.
4: I let you go. <laughs> right, first. Right, right. You get sprayed down thank there. You know? Yeah.
3: Thank you for that.
4: Yeah, No problem.
3: You know, w- when I was fighting, we definitely didn't travel as much. or I feel like we didn't travel as much as as you guys do now uh, in talking to the fighters. W- what really was the biggest challenge for them adapting to the flight, the time change and and all the other stuff they had to go through?
4: I don't think the fighters were being very open necessarily Mm. about how challenging the sleep and the heat. Those are the two things to me. The heat maybe less so because this time they had the arena really well air conditioned. So it was just a factor of like every time you'd step outside, you were slapped in the face with this... (laughs) sweaty mitt of, you know, <laughs> condom is, yeah, awful humidity. Like I've never understood before in my mind we were going to the desert. Right. And I thought it was going to be like Vegas. It is nothing like Vegas, nothing like it. Um, but the sleep w- was so, so tricky because of when we were doing the shows and I think I originally went in with this really well formulated plan. I had my melatonin ready. I had all, all the things I thought I was going to do to keep myself on track there to stay on us time so that i'd feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when we're doing these broadcasts and your circadian rhythms are just like f that you know we're we're here and we're going to adapt to here so i kept getting caught and i think a lot of people got caught somewhere in the middle where you weren't quite on abu dhabi time you weren't back in the u.s it was just that was rough really really rough
0: So I'm sitting there this Saturday night, and I'm not working, and it's 15 fights for the first time since UFC 2. And it just gives me anxiety to think about properly preparing for 30 fighters, right? Like, I know you didn't work the show. I mean, right? Like, 30 fighters? Where do you begin?
4: I don't know. I uh, Man, was it the first one where we had kind of a short card, or was that back at the Apex? Oh, there my memory card-
0: is completely fucking shot. I it don't remember. I mean, you there know, we've talked UFC, about this. It's there gone.
4: was one UFC card recently where like, um, I want to say we were down to 11 and those go by so fast. Yeah.
0: Those are great. The difference
4: between 11 and 15 is <laughs> massive.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, the most I've done is 14, which is 28 fighters. See, I always think about it, not so much in terms of, formulaics and show formatics but fighters right it's like 28 fucking fighter cards is a lot but power to the broadcast team and the whole live production team obviously uh, of which we are a part so like i i watched about five of the fights i mean obviously you watched whitaker till and i'm sure you saw a lot of this main card Uh, anything for us on whitaker till and what maybe you saw on either side
4: you know i think the biggest takeaway from whitaker till is that i think till stock really went up which is a little bit unusual in a loss. It was a super close fight. Um, it's, it's always interesting. I like to go on Twitter and, and, and social media afterwards to kind of get the, the pulse of the fans. And I felt like a lot of people were, I don't know disappointed, maybe is too strong of a word, but kind of a little bit let down. They had these really high expectations, but I challenge anyone to, you know, go to your like local high school track, get in some starting blocks and have someone with a gun, a starter gun, standing right there, for twenty five minutes, and just start, and then right. go back, and then start, right. and then go back. Right. The 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 type of fight where you are continuously on right. a razor's edge, fainting, looking for your shots, you know, as a chess match, as as they put it, I think is the perfect way to describe it, is, in, it's, it's exhausting. I mean, when um when Israel Adesanya fought, um. Uh, this is my problem with with yoel Whitaker. romero yeah yep. no, no, romero the last time his post fight interview i did with him he said the same thing like that that type of fight while it's not what the fans necessarily are like dying for just bleed right. you know right uh it's such a hard fight and if you're a striker and you can really appreciate a lot of the nuances that were going there um i i thought it was a great fight i enjoyed watching it it was super close yeah i don't I didn't feel strongly one way or the other, honestly, when it went to the judges. But I wasn't surprised when Whitaker got it. Um, I'm happy for him, glad to see him back oh. in the win column. Because I wanted, like, I I was a little worried, to be honest, that if he had lost, that maybe he would uh, retire. I don't know why. Just the the coming off of needing time and all that. And then on the flip side, Till is such a factor at middleweight now. that like He's he proved that he's literally, uh, you know, yeah. Razor-thin margin away from from Whitaker, so he's right there.
0: And I think you're right on Whitaker, right? Just to to remove any doubt that he can still be a champion with that type of 25 minute effort. Ken Flo, much has been made of this whole like mental taxation. Do you remember, like, your most mentally taxing win? Like, I'd imagine the Diego Nunes win getting through 15 minutes at 145 pounds for the first time wasn't particularly easy, even though the fight for 13 and a half minutes really was. I mean, do you remember fighting win or lose that was really, like, a mental grind more than others?
3: Yeah, you know, I think probably the the BJ Penn fight is is the one that kind of stands out uh, the most. You know, I, I think when you're looking at... Uh, the, the lower the skill level of the combatants, um, the more aggression and action you're going to get. I, I think that the the higher the level of, of the combatants, I think the more technical fight you're going to get. That's just the way it goes, typically. And if you do have one guy who doesn't abide by those rules, they'll, they'll probably be sleeping very quickly in that fight. That's just kind of the nature of combat. You have to be smart when you're fighting the best guys. And I also think to go back to Darren Till, you know. Um, there, there's no shame and illusion to someone like Whitaker. As we said, yeah. I do I agree with you, Laura, that his stock went up, but I do think for a lot of fighters, a lot of managers and a lot of these teams, they kind of speed things up a little bit. They get these opportunities and they just take them right away, which is great. But I would, I, I would wonder about how that fight would have gone if Till had another two or three fights more of experience. And I think experience really was one of the determining factors of why Whitaker won that fight.
4: I- just to add to that, too, I, I don't know that I really appreciated Till's counter-striking abilities. You know, I thought of them more of as a pressure-forward guy and obviously amazing striking, but that fight really made me appreciate his, his counter-striking ability, which in turn makes me more interested in, and I'm not saying right away to your point, Kenny, but it does make me more interested uh, down the line for an Adesanya fight at mm-hmm. some point because that there would be no you'd imagine there'd be not a lot of takedowns in that fight and you just could sit back and, and watch a really amazing, you know, display of striking.
0: Laura Sanko with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. So, uh, I talked about the 15 fight anxiety. I think if I looked at your summer schedule, maybe I'd have a little bit of anxiety. Dana White's contender series, I believe begins next Tuesday, August 4th and all the UFC assignments and Invicta FC mixed in. So, uh, I wish you all the best with that. It's Thank not like you have kids. Oh, wait, you have a child as well. Oh, so, uh,
4: and a puppy. A puppy I'm freaking potty treating right now. Oh, no.
0: <laughs>
2: That's
4: came dumb. back to a puppy.
0: <laughs> so, uh, so Dana White's Contender Series is a labor of love. I mean, we've talked about this off the air. A lot is asked of you in that role. Uh, you're one part ring announcer in addition to all of your repertorial duties and everything else. But uh, certainly a nice platform. And I know you've you've sort of maximized the showcase, if you will.
4: Yeah. I love that show. It's, it's truly, um, it's, it feels really cool to be holding that ESPN mic. I'm not going to lie. I just, you know, brush my shoulder a little second (laughs) every time that happens. But, uh, but if you were to ask me, if I had to give up everything else, I would keep contender, um, above it all, just because every fight there is so packed with emotion for those men and women and so important and, you get a lot of action-packed fights just because of the stakes and because Dana White sitting, you know, feet away and everything that they've done, uh, to put that show together. I, I absolutely love. And it's only five fights, John.
0: So. I'm telling you, can <laughs> it I just get it one? Just one. Can I just be assigned to <laughs> yep. one of those? Um, all right. I got a few more with you and then I, um, some, um, some rapid fire questions, time permitting on the way out. So, I mentioned the different hats you wear, obviously reporter, host, analyst. I guess the question would be in terms of like your professional fulfillment, because you do have professional fighting experience, want to know, you left that career um, when you became pregnant. Um, what do you want to be doing? Like, it seems to me like you burst open when you're talking about fights analytically uh, more so than anything else.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's that's 100% where I love to be. My My dream is to one day... You know, be able to maybe call fight along alongside you, John. That'd be that'd be incredible. I don't, you know, I, I, and it's certainly not that I think I'm um more qualified or better qualified than any of the analysts that we currently have. I love all those guys and I, I have the utmost respect for them. I do think that there's I'm not I'm not like a dyed-in-the-wolf feminist. You probably spent enough time around right. me to know that, but oh, I, know. I do think I, I think that there's a place at times for different for a female perspective in a sport where you know women are not the majority of the fighters but there are cards where there's four sometimes you know fights uh female fights and i think that i think that there's a perspective that a female fighter brings that's just it's a little different women's mma in large part is a different sport um coming into the sport the stuff that goes on behind the scenes let alone some of the you know the technique that you see in application there but beyond that, yeah, it's just it's what I want to do, whether it's you know talking about men's fights or women's fights. I appreciate you saying that because I do. I feel like I come alive when I'm able, yeah. able to talk X's and O's and really yeah. dissect what has happened, is happening, could yeah. happen, all that stuff. And, and those guys, you know, Paul and Dom and Mike all know that I know my shit. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I hope that I hope that one day that that can happen.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I believe in you uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, and you're goddamn funny, too. All right, rapid fire questions for right. Laura Sanko yeah. on the way out because I know she's got a lot of shit to do. All right, <laughs> Tuesday, August 4th, ESPN Plus, Dana White's contender series. I took out the Tuesday. Over, under, one and a half contracts handed out on episode oh. one over for sure okay over. i should have said it higher all right oh. um all right so uh we mentioned want to know as a pro fighter fact or fiction if the ufc launched a 105 pound you knew this was coming adam weight division uh would you take a fight one singular fight if offered
4: yes absolutely See? at 105 one fight i'm in i'm in
0: See? she hits hard mentally tough competitive plus athlete Down. uh loves to grapple all right Stipe versus DC. I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction, uh, but the trilogy less than three weeks away. It's a pickem right now, according to Las Vegas. So essentially you're getting the same price on either guy. Do you have any lean as to what happens on August 15th? Am I allowed to ask you that?
4: Yeah, you are. You are. Um, I think that DC is going to be, has been very circumspect about the last fight. I think that he was circumspect right after it happened. I mean, he, he fell in love with his hands a little bit and, um, kind of went away from the wrestling and Riz really looking for that knockout. And I don't think he's going to make that same mis- he's not going to make the same mistake twice. So I I think I, I see DC looking to wrestle a lot more. I think that Stipe is going to bring what Stipe always does, that incredible boxing. And it's going to be a fantastic fight. And I'm not picking a winner.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I this one, it might be even harder then. so factor right. fiction. Your teammate right now with the best chance to make a run at a UFC title uh, is Grant Doss.
4: Ooh, fact fact only that. because it's just not that important to James. Right. Right. I think James has all the skills to do it. Right. He could, he could be, if he gave a shit about fighting regularly and he literally, he he cares way more about coaching now than he does about his own fight career. So He's much pickier about when he fights. If he was on to having three fights a year, he'd be top ten, top five in a heartbeat. But Grant is at that stage in his career where he's just Jeez. busting down walls. So talented, and you see growth in him every single fight. He's amazing.
0: He really is incredible. All in easy. on Grant Dawson. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing: Are you you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan in some part? Are you not? Yeah. Yes. So uh, good. I like the, uh-huh. the, the conviction me? with which you answered that because uh, I feel good for the fan base. You know, I think as you get a little bit older and your teams win some titles, you feel good for uh, for other people getting a little taste. And I remember saying as much to James Krause. But all Is right, that's all. That's a all pity,
4: I... John. John, no, was that a no. pity? That was such a pity. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm just I'm so used to winning. I'm so no. glad that. You too could that. taste <laughs> what it's like to have a Super Bowl. <laughs> I did
0: not. That was not at all the intention of that. I mean, you see I'm prepared. That was not at all the intent of that uh that question. Um but hey, hey, I mean, you guys have a good chance to start piling them up. So she is a Kansas City native. She is Laura Sanko. You'll see her on the Contender Series August 4th on ESPN Plus. At uh, when, when's your next UFC assignment? Are you there this weekend or no?
4: I was supposed to be there this weekend, but I begged off of it because I've got too much stuff going on at home. So they moved me to Anthony Smith's card at the end of the month. So I'll be doing okay. that one backstage for ESPN.
0: OK. All right. There she is, Laura Sanko. Hey, appreciate you and, and your support uh, of not just this podcast, but me and everybody else. And uh, we thank yeah, you. We wish you all guys. the best.
4: Thanks, John. Thanks, Kenny. Bye, guys. Thanks. Courtney. Right, we'll
0: see you soon. There she is, Laura Sanko, with us here on the Annick and Florian podcast. I've been trying to tell her take that fight at 105 pounds, you know, take one UFC fight. I think her stock would uh, would soar, especially if she can win it. All right. Today's main event challenge is brought to you by OddsShark.com. Shark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to Shark and start playing like a shark today. And I can tell you with the Major League Baseball season already underway, a lot of their guys are on fire. I would start tailing them. Shark. Dark.com. Let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge. Anik.
3: The time is most definitely now. Florian.
1: Yeah. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win.
3: The main event challenge.
2: The John Anik and
1: Kenny
3: Florian podcast.
0: All right, so the lead was 85-79 for Team Anik going into UFC. Fight Night Whitaker versus Till. It was a huge week for Team Florian. Finally getting some of these rounds and methods of victory correct. 9-5. So we had Carla Esparza as an underdog, both Shogun and Robert Whitaker by decision. Team Florian wins the week 9-5. It's now a two-point main event challenge, 90-88, to 88, as we welcome on the duck Ian Parker Ian, I don't know if you have an issue with the score or do I have that right? You look perturbed.
1: Well, I also have Whitaker by decision. I thought the only – so his – the difference was Rodriguez and Shogun's decision. That was the difference.
0: You did get three points. Three of your five points came on that Whitaker fight. So uh, it is what it is.
1: No, you know what? I would love it if Kenny one week beat me by like a knockout, not by like a fucking split decision that I – didn't even think it. I don't even want to fucking hear it. I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> hey,
0: you have really capitalized with a lot of decision winners this year. So, I mean, let, let no, the no, record no, not, show. Not,
1: yeah, no, no, I know. I just thought Rodriguez won that fight. I was very disappointed. That right. was the one I was disappointed because that was an underdog for him. It's all right. We're we're good. All right. So we
0: got UFC fights essentially every weekend uh, the rest of the year. There might be one dark weekend there, uh, but I haven't seen it on my schedule. Let's get to it, boys. UFC fight night. Shabazzian versus Brunson. And we will begin with Kevin Holland minus 230 versus Trevin Giles plus 190. Kevin Holland, this is a promoter's dream, Ian. Is he not, right? Exciting fighter, always ready to go. Had a TKO win May 16th, then signed again to fight on May 30th, but was forced out due to a shoulder injury. And now here he's stepping up, less than two weeks' notice. Steps in for Park Jun Yong against Trevin Giles. He got past James Krause back in February. Ian Parker, Hollander Giles, to kick us off. Who do you like?
1: I think Kevin Holland pulling out of this fight and getting this one was probably the best thing that he could have done. Not that it was on purpose. Uh, yeah. I like Kevin Holland a lot here. Trevin Giles uh, has not really hit that. I want to say a uh, level that we all thought he was going to get to when we first saw him as a prospect. Cardio's not that good. I mean, I thought actually Krause won that fight. So I, I really like Kevin Holland here. I think he's going to be too much. As long as he doesn't get taken down, even if he does, Giles doesn't offer a ton on top. We saw that against when he fought Gerald, I like Kevin Holland here a lot. I'm surprised it's only minus 230, to be honest.
0: Ken Flo, Trevin Giles, as Ian mentioned, fought James Kraus pretty closely earlier this year. And if you look at it from the Giles standpoint, right, he also had to adjust to James Kraus. Not at all an ideal matchup, even though Giles has some grappling credentials. He had the whole Houston Police Department in the building, right? So there was a lot of pressure on him. And I thought all things considered, he performed well. Uh, but he's a pretty big underdog here against Kevin Holland. Your thoughts?
3: He did. You know, I I think he's probably a a pretty big underdog because Kevin Holland, um, no disrespect, kind of does everything better. Uh, You know, I think he's the better striker. I think he's the better grappler. I think he's got the better chance uh, of getting a finish. Um, And listen, I, I think it's Kevin Holland's fight to lose. All right. Next up, we have a rematch.
0: Lando Venata and Bobby Green. This one sees Groovy Lando, the minus 130 favorite. Bobby King Green comes back, plus 110. So they fought once before, split draw in Vegas, UFC 216. That was October of 2017. That was the fight of the night. Ian, I don't know if you went back and watched it. You probably did. That was close. This one as well. Um, Green or Lando for you?
1: (sighs) This is a very, very interesting matchup. I love, uh uh-oh. I love Lando Venata in general. I thought when he fought Tony Ferguson, you know, that was super impressive. I just don't, it's just the consistency with his career obviously has been a lot of up and down. Don't worry, I'm a rock star. The show must go on. And uh, I really do feel that this is a good name for Lando to fight right now. I'm surprised Bobby Green's actually taking the fight like this on such short notice. I think if this fight, stays on the feet. I think Lando just has too many, uh, unpredictable striking abilities that may throw Bobby off a little bit. So,
0: all right. So Ian sort of mentioned the quick turn for Bobby green, just fought clay. Guida beat him last month. Uh, try to make a couple more paychecks here. Kenful. What do you think about the rematch between Lando Venata and Bobby green?
3: You know, this is a tough one, man. I, I feel like Venata utilizes more skills on the feet. He has more weapons. He kicks way more, mixes things up more. Uh, but Bobby Green um, is just very mentally tough. He's a guy who's always going to be there to the very end. Um, <sighs> Venata tends to start hot. Uh, Green can can finish pretty, pretty strong as well. Um, man, this is tough. Uh, I'll go with, I'm going to go with Bobby green uh, in this one. I, I think he gets it done. I think Venada has been at a whole lot of wars. Green has as well, but um, let, let's lean with green for this one.
0: Lean with green. I like that. It's so hard too. it's like the betting line comes out six hours later. You guys are forced to make a pick here on a Monday. You always reserve the right to change it. Moving on down the main card. Vicente Luque, the minus 175 favorite here, putting his number 12 ranking on the line against Randy Rudeboy Brown, who is plus 155. So my research tells me this matchup was actually supposed to happen on April 11th. It has now been rebooked. Now, divisionally, Kenny, I think you really need fighters like Luque who are divisionally relevant, ranked, but also willing to stay active and give an opportunity to a guy like Randy Brown, who... Ian, in my mind, is worthy of this opportunity. He's won two straight fights. Big showcase spot for Brown as he tries to take Luque's ranking. How do you see it playing out?
1: Huh. who is Luque's manager here? I think this is a very odd choice of a fight for him. To your point, it's great to have guys like this, but to someone like Luque, who in his career, he's taken some losses. You know, it's been a couple of, it's been a lot of wars too. I think Brown is a very dangerous guy, athleticism-wise, power-wise. You know, after the Nico Price fight, I think he learned his lesson and really has tightened up his game. That fight IQ keeps getting better. And I kind of like him here as the underdog. You know, I think the style here, it's one thing if Luque took fights to the ground, you know? But he really doesn't. He never takes advantage of that jujitsu. So I think this fight's going to stand on the feet, and I think that Brown has the power and everything to get it done. So I'm going to go with Randy Brown here.
0: I like it. All right. On the other side, Ken flow, Luke, seven of eight. That includes a violent TKO of Nico price back on May 9th. What do you think about this matchup for Luke? I
3: I think Ian made some great points. Um, and I do see why Randy Brown, uh, was picked, but, um, I think Luke's experience, um, it is going to shine through. I I think Luke will find a way, uh, to pull it off. I'm not sure he gets the finish. He may get the finish, um, but I could see Luque winning by another close decision. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth war, uh, but I think Luke's just got a little, little too many weapons on the feet, too much experience.
0: All right, that brings us to the co-main event. This is an eliminator in the women's flyweight division, and you want to talk about risk-reward. We mentioned Luque, so you got Joanne Calderwood. She had a title fight against Valentina Shevchenko June 6th. Valentina gets injured, fight gets postponed, But JoJo puts her title shot in on the line, essentially, here. She takes on Jennifer Maya. It's Calderwood minus 190, Maya plus 165. This is the co-main event. As such, we will need the round, the method of victory. Ian Parker, who do you like?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, if I'm JoJo Calderwood and I win this fight, I'm getting that title shot, and I'm asking for more money, because this is a really stupid risk against someone that if the fight goes to the ground, Jennifer can do some damage here. I just think that JoJo on the feet is way better. I think she's also way smart. I think she also knows how to win rounds. You know, you see her always at the end finishing strong. She throws a good amount of volume in those leg kicks. Uh, Jennifer Maya poses some problems, though. She moves forward. A lot of pressure. She throws a lot, and that could be a problem. I just think that JoJo may be a little bit smarter here. Uh, Not in regards to taking this fight. I know she's antsy and wants to get in there, but... Oh, man, what a weird career decision. I'm still going to take her by decision. I don't see anyone getting the finish here. Uh, so that's where I'm going to go with here. I'm going to go with uh, Jojo Caldwell by decision.
0: Can't Jojo, Maya, co-main event. Who do you like?
3: You know, I think Maya is a good athlete. I, I think she has uh, decent fundamentals on the feet. Uh doesn't really pose a threat as far as, uh, you know, getting many knockdowns or knockouts necessarily. But I do agree with Ian that she could pose some problems for Jojo on the ground. I don't think she's going to be able to do that. Uh, for too long, however, uh, might be able to steal around, but uh, I like Jojo as well. I think her length, her ability to uh, m- you know, utilize her long range weapons will be the difference. Um, I see Jojo keeping her away with kicks, uh, moving laterally to avoid the fence and getting taken down. I like Jojo by decision as well. All right, couple
0: picks there on JoJo Calderwood by decision, and now we get to the main event, which features a guy, and I hope Ken Flo gives me shit if he doesn't agree with this, but in Edmund Shabazian, who right now, on July 27, 2020, could just be the best middleweight in the world at 22 years of age, right? Call me crazy. He's 11-0 and 0 as a pro. There's only one guy he hasn't just absolutely ruined. I think it was Darren Stewart, split decision in his UFC debut. This is not pr- promotional hyperbole. This is me as a fan. Uh, Shabazzian's the minus 300 favorite here against another guy I like, the perennial contender, DB, Derek Brunson, plus 250. You know about Brunson's experience. Has headlined, I think, at least twice before in the UFC. Ian Parker, Edmund Shabazzian, Derek Brunson. Who do you like?
1: Man, you're really putting the pressure on this week. Kenny's getting it's to winning week and I choose first on every single fight. That's right. Black, That's right. All I right, thought about go. it too. I
0: thought about it as well, but uh, I wanted to, I want to give you that pressure. See you rise above I got it. it.
1: Thought we were on the same team. Got it. Ha-ha. All right. So, <laughs> um, listen, there, there <laughs> there's a couple of other prospects out there that people are really high on, but I think Edmund Shabazian is the one that really deserves the true, Let's say he's a title contender type of guy at some point in the near future. And it's nothing against Derek Brunson at all. Listen, Brunson has the wrestling credentials. He's tough. He's power. But when's the last time when we saw a kid like this, so young, so technically sound, and just doing what you would hope he does and climbing the ranks at a good pace, as Kenny likes to say build them slowly? But they're doing, and they're doing it the right way. You know, the fight against Tavares was like the perfect time to throw him in against a guy like him. And this is another really good name. Maybe Derek Brunson doesn't get enough credit for the type of fights that he's had, also. You know, and I, I listen. It's hard to not pick Edmund Shabazi in here with the momentum. The kid just—I I don't know where he has a weakness right now. The only thing I would say is, if Brunson puts him on his back, I would like to see him fight against adversity here and see what he does. He, we also have not seen him in a five-round fight. You know, let's see how that cardio holds up when he's not knocking people out left and right in the first or second round. Doesn't mean I don't think he's still going to do it. I still think right. he's going get to get it done in probably the second round. And until someone stops that train, I'm all aboard. So I'm going Shabazzian, second round TKO.
0: Second round TKO for Edmund Shabazian. And I say what I say with all due respect to Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. I don't know how those would go if those guys fought 10 times. I just believe Shabazian deserves inclusion in that conversation. On the other side, you have Derek Brunson. 16 UFC fights, Kenny. Third UFC main event here so Brunson made his pro MMA debut when Shabazian was 12. He was wrestling in the NCAA's when Shabazian was seven years old. I just don't think any of that matters. Um, but Brunson does have a lot of plus skills. I think he has developed. He has leaned on his wrestling when the matchup has called for it of late. Big power, some signature wins. The question, Kenny Florian, what does Derek Brunson have as a plus 250 underdog for Edmund Shabazian this weekend?
3: You know, I'm really curious. I think uh, Derek Brunson is the kind of guy who's most dangerous when you have him as an underdog. Um, He can't surprise you. I think he's a good athlete. He does come in with a lot of experience, can get overly emotional uh, and wild at times. Definitely can't do that against Shabazzian. And, you know, if we're, if we're being candid here, I think he also has kind of been the measuring stick at middleweight, right? A a lot like Brad Tavares. Uh, we find out whether you're a star or not, if you're able to beat a guy like Derek Brunson. So uh, unfortunately he's kind of in that spot and I don't think Derek Brunson likes being in that spot and he would love to spoil, uh, another party in Shabazzian. Is he able to do that? I don't think so. Um, you know, you were talking about Shabazzian and whether he's, you know, the best middleweight in the world. Is he the best middleweight in the world at this point? I think it's a little bit early. Is he uh, the most exciting middleweight in the world? I would say that'd be more accurate. I I I think he is... Um, unbelievable when it comes to getting after it and finishing the fight, he's got 11 fights, what 10 finishes, nine knockouts, something ridiculous. So, uh, he, he certainly is something special. I'm really curious to see how he comes out against Derek Brunson. I believe he'll most likely get an early knockout. Uh, I think, uh, round one knockout for Shabazzian. Um, and you know, I, I still think, uh, we need to see him against higher level competition but Shabazian might very well be uh, the real deal. And and he beats a guy like Brunson and he makes it look easy.
0: It's a big statement. We'll see. He has only seen a second round as a pro in MMA one time. So, uh, if Brunson can extend him. And, and obviously DB's got a lot of power as well and really is a guy who I, who I love and I've watched and called most of Brunson's career, but this Shabazian just uh, just jumps out of the arena. We'll see how it goes for uh, Shabazian and Brunson in the main event. We got to get on out of here. Uh, you can follow Ian Parker on social media if you like at IanParkerMMA. Ken Flo is at Kenny Florian. He's also at MerockyBJJ.com as well. Uh, we have merchandise, AnnickFlorianPodcast.com. Ian Parker doesn't feel like buying any, but Annick Podcast, com. If you want the merch, there's a 10% off coupon there as well. This has been a production of the Veracity Media Group. You can drop the V. Veracity Media Group. Our producer is Cody Merrow. Thanks to our guests, Laura Sanko, Ray Longo, Ian Parker. With that for I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching, for subscribing. We do appreciate that. We will talk to you next Monday. We'll preview Olytic and the Black Beast Derek Lewis. Until then, enjoy the fights. Wear your fucking mask. Don't text and drive. I know I'm asking a lot of you. Yo, later.
2: San Antonio district judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it?
1: I did it because I was foolish.
2: Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on revolverpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Trademarks owned by Beckla AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.